as we think about what lies before us, we can't turn back the clock. I mentioned this morning, uh, it's hard to believe 2019 is almost gone. It's been a year filled with many things, many challenges, some trials. How many of you this morning could use a little encouragement? You know, certainly won't get it watching the news. Won't get it thinking about the next election. But I know every time I open the Bible, I get encouraged. God has some wonderful things for us. And the Lord led me to Hebrews chapter number 12 about taking steps in our lives. And I want you to see how these steps are really going to guide us into this new year. Look with me, if you would, at the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You know, when you look at this passage, nowhere in the Bible are we promised that the Christian life is going to be easy. I just can't find it in the Word of God. As a matter of fact, just the opposite is really true. Jesus said in John 16, These things have I spoken unto you that in me, you might have peace. We just celebrated Christmas. The Prince of Peace came. Jesus said, in me, if you want to have peace, you want to know peace. He said, that peace is found in me. But he said, in the world, you shall have tribulation. There's going to be some trials. But look at this, be of good cheer. He says, for I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for helping us with the word of God this day as we reflect back and look forward, realizing that what is done is done. But Lord, we can, with your help, take the necessary steps in this new year. I pray that you would be with us this morning, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would guide me with what you want said. And Lord, I pray whatever it is that you deal with us about, that we as your people came this morning to do business with you and that we would be willing to humble ourselves, to take the necessary steps that we might go into this new year with having a life that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing this morning. Difficulties do come. Trials will cross our paths. There, if there haven't been already, there probably will be times where you and I will be tempted to quit. And I have found in life for many people that quitting is easy. Anybody can quit. But God wants us to be encouraged today. Notice again, he says here in the end of verse 3, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Notice he doesn't say in your body. Because the battle for many of us is in the mind. You know, the devil knows that. The Bible talks about the thoughts and intents of our heart. You know, there, there are things that go on 
in our minds that affect our bodies. God says, I want to encourage you today, you that may be weary or hurting as believers, to just be faithful to the Lord, to, to continue to live the life that I've given to you. And, and the Christian life is not a, a hundred-yard dash. The Christian life is a marathon. We'll even see that from the passage this morning. You have to understand that it's, it's making an analogy here about this race that it requires endurance. But there also has to be some preparation. A, a, a runner, if they're going to be any good at all at running, if they're going to win the race, if they're going to finish the race, they've got to prepare for it. You don't just start running marathons. You might start with a quarter mile, then a half mile, then a mile. You have to make preparations, and if we're going to take these steps going into this new year, we've got to understand it's going to take endurance, and we've got to prepare for it. God's Word encourages us to stay in the race. A lot of people are dropping out of the race. People were here a year ago that aren't here today. Because the trials, the tribulation that Jesus spoke about have come and it's sidelined them. It's knocked them out of the race. But Hebrews 12 gives us some steps. And I want you to see those steps and they're very simple. I, I'm just going to go step by step in the word of God this morning. God's laid it out already. I'm just going to give you what the Lord has to say. So notice the first step going into this new year is we need to consider the saints. Now the word saint is another word for holy or holy ones. The Bible says when we get saved, I know it's hard to believe, especially from I know my background, I don't think of myself in that regards, but according to the word of God, we are saints. And the Bible mentions here those that are the saints. Notice again in verse number 1 of chapter 12. Wherefore seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So the Bible says here. So what is the author doing? Many believe that this is one of the books that God may have had the Apostle Paul to write. Maybe you feel differently, but regardless, we understand that the writer of the book of Hebrews is drawing our attention back one chapter to Hebrews chapter number 11, where we see, as oftentimes we call those great heroes of the faith. These are the people that I believe in chapter 12 are the great cloud of witnesses. And according to the word of God, they are surrounding us as we run our race that God's given to us. Everybody with me so far? So when we see this, God says, if you're going to make progress as a Christian this year, you've got to start by considering the saints. Notice that as we think about them, that they have run their race. You see, they, there is a great cloud of witnesses. Maybe they didn't run their race perfectly, but guess what? They ran their race. Uh, they, they may, uh, as they may have faced some challenges, they didn't quit until their race was finished. God wants us to understand this morning that just like them, we're going to endure maybe some unspeakable pain and suffering, but just like them, they still ran and we need to do the same. They stand today, this great cloud of witnesses, to do what? To encourage us and to challenge us in the race that is set before us. If these people could run their race, then guess what? So can we. We can do what God has given us to do. If they can live for the Lord, endure what they did, and serve Him, then so can we. And so as we consider the saints, notice that they have run their race, but secondly, they have received their reward. Now, what is their reward? Back in the day, in Paul's day, in the beginning of the Olympics, uh, many times what they would do is they would receive a, a kind of a wreath that they would make. And a lot of times nowadays, people would say, is that all you're going to get? 
Because nowadays, when somebody wins, they get some kind of trophy, maybe, a, maybe in the Olympics, some type of a medallion hanging on, on, a, on the something that they would hang over their neck. But these wreaths oftentimes is, is what they would get. But I'll tell you that for the saint, it's not about something we get on this earth. You see, their reward was this matter of rest. They could rest from their labors. And the best part of that rest is they were resting in the presence of Almighty God. What a joy that will be when Jesus we shall see. See, that was their reward. The prize is theirs. Why? Because they ran and they ran well. That's why they received their reward. And when their race was over is when they received it. And the same is true for us. That one day when our race is over, we will receive our reward. Look what it says in 2 Timothy 4.8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. See, that day is going to come. And as we consider the saints, look. Yes, we need to acknowledge they have run their race and they have already received their reward. But notice they have revealed something to us. And what they have revealed is this, that God is reliable. You can count on God. When I think about in the Old Testament and parts of the New Testament, how God took care of them. These saints of God, God honored their faith. I look at their lives and I see how he sustained them, how God kept them, how God used them, God blessed them, and and in their lives, God got all the glory from them and what they did in their lives for him, then I think to myself, it encourages me as they reveal to me how good God was to them, that if God did that for them, then God will do the same for us. You see, God will do the same in your life and mine, and they, they may be watching us, as it says here, seeing we are also compassed about with such a great cloud of, here's the word, witnesses. Now, no doubt it kind of alludes to the fact, and I don't really know because I can't go outside the parameters of the Word of God, but maybe they have a visible uh, 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 view of us from the grandstands of heaven that they are watching us, maybe some of your loved ones who have already gone on before you are leaning over the banisters of heaven, watching us run our race. Certainly that is applicable, but what I really believe here, when it uses the word witnesses, I believe that it, it really is giving us an understanding here that they were witnesses of the faithfulness of God. That even though they went through what they went through, that they gave their lives, that they were sawn asunder, that God was faithful. And as I think about this this morning, and going into this new year, I understand this morning that the very first step that we must take, according to Hebrews chapter number 12, is we've got to consider the saints. It encourages me when I read Hebrews chapter number 11, And then I begin to read Hebrews chapter number 12, where God says that there is this great cloud of witnesses who are encouraging us today. And we must consider the saints. But notice, secondly, it kind of comes home after we should consider the saints because the next step is we need to consider self. I know that a lot of times we are instructed as Christians from the Word of God not to place a a value on ourselves. But there is much in the Word of God that we need to be working on in our lives, and we know that we need God to be able to do that. But I want you to look back in chapter number 12, and look what the Bible says as we pick it up again in verse number 1. The Bible says this, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, here it is, Let us lay aside, how many weight? Every weight. And the sin, notice not plural, the sin that 
doth so easily beset, notice not the cloud of witnesses, it besets us, we who are still running, we who are still living the Christian life. Now watch this, and let us run with what? With patience, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now there's a lot there for us, about us. That's why I say that once we take that first step to consider the saints, then we need to take the next step, and that is we've got to consider ourselves. We've got to think about what is the Word of God saying to us. Now, again, if it's a race, then the first thought that I had was we must make proper preparation. Again, I won't go all into it, but one thing that I discovered as I studied it out is, is that back in, in, in Bible days when they would run these races, and I don't know if it was necessarily uh, for any reason, but uh, they say that the attire for the racers was a, they would come out and they would have a long flowing robe. They, they actually kind of alluded to the fact that maybe they were a little bit heavier, uh, a little bit cumbersome. Now again, I, I, I think we're all mature adults here, but if you study it out, that what they would do is they would take this robe off, and there was a time period that those that ran these races didn't run in clothing at all. There was nothing that hindered them. Now, you look at people today that participate in sports, and I mean the, the skimpier and the tighter and to, for wind resistance and all these types of things, you see that going on more and more and more, and you think to yourself, are they wearing anything at all? But the whole idea here is, is that they would take off what so easily beset them. And when we think about making preparations, a runner that is wise is going to make proper preparation. I know that for a lot of runners, it's, it's about the shoes that they wear. Again, you go back to the early days, they didn't even wear shoes. Some of you probably grew up in parts of the country where you didn't have a pair of shoes until you were probably a teenager. I was talking to one of our members a couple weeks ago, and he was telling me about where he grew up and how that they used to climb uh, hills and mountains, and they were rocky ground, and they were barefooted when they were kids. And I said, I bet you can't do that now. I mean, he's, he's got tenderfoot now, hasn't done that for years. But I know when I was a kid, they used to come into our neighborhood and, and uh, they, did, they didn't uh, use concrete and they didn't use asphalt. Uh, what they would do is on the roads, uh, um, to top them or to seal them, they would come and spray tar and then they would put that, what we called pea gravel. It was a little small gravel. They'd cover it and it would get embedded in that tar when it was hot and that was the surface of the road. Well, what would happen is, all that gravel would, would work itself loose, and then the only thing you'd have would be that tar. And so I'd go out there, and I'd run around as a kid all day barefooted, and I'd come in, the bottom of my feet were as black as coal. And my mom would sit me up on the countertop, and she would use alcohol and rub the bottom of my feet, try to get that off the bottom. You see, shoes were very important, still are today, to runners, and a wise runner makes all the proper and careful preparations because, look, they understand they're never going to reach their full potential unless they make the right preparation. Well, the same thing is true in the Christian life. You and I are never going to become who God saved us to be without making the proper preparations. we got to be careful about what we eat and how we behave ourselves and the way we prepare ourselves. And until we're willing to make those preparations and sometimes sacrifices, we're never going to be able to run the race the way that God wants us to. To not be hindered. See, a lot of times what we want to do is we want to live our lives, we want to run the race our way. It's like picking up a bunch of weights and trying to run the race with the weights 
while we're holding on to them. And God says, look, I want you to get rid of those weights. Cast them aside. Notice he says, lay aside every weight. This is anything that would hinder your walk with God. Now, my wife and I are different in many ways, and that's the way God intended it to be. My wife can sit in the living room with the television on, blaring, and she can read a book. I can't do that. I have to have it perfectly quiet. And, and when you think about this, he says here, whatever is hindering. Look, you can't read your Bible sitting in front of the television. Your heart and mind is not going to be focused on the Word of God. And so he says here, whatever it is that would hinder your walk, whatever's going to slow you down in the race, those things have to go. Now, I don't know what it is for you, but I guarantee you all of us have things that hinder us. You know, things in our lives, anything that doesn't build us up in the Lord is a weight. It's a hindrance. And those things, God said, should be removed from our lives. So he says, lay aside every weight. And look at this. And the sin that does so easily beset us. Now that word beset or besetting, we don't use that word a lot, but it's, it, it literally gives this idea of things that cling to us, things that might distract us, things that might, uh, might entangle us, or even would trip us up. And, and again, this is where taking that robe off would help the runners. Uh, when I was a kid, I don't know if any of you ever saw them or used them, we used to have what they called ankle weights. And I had a pair that were kind of old-fashioned and they had leather straps on them, and I'd put them around my ankles, and I'd wear them around on, on game days. I'd, I'd wear those things around the house. My mom would say, well, what are you wearing those? I said, listen, I want to fly tonight in that game. I'd wear those around all day. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know how, well they, how effective they were, but I'll tell you this. When I took them off and, and got ready for the game, listen, I felt like I could fly. And, and that's exactly what he's saying is, whatever that sin is, and you, and you can think to yourself, what it is in your life that is plaguing you, whatever it is. Listen, the, the Apostle Paul at times struggled in his life, and I guarantee you that if Paul, the great Christian, struggled with something in his life, then I dare say that each and every one of us, there is something in our lives that, that is hindering us from running our race to reach the potential that God has for us. Romans six twelve. let not sin, therefore reign, in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. So if we are going to consider ourselves, and we're going to take that step, look, I'm encouraged by considering the saints. But then I think about myself. Where am I today? Is there some weight that I need to cast off? Is there some sin that doth so easily beset me? I've got to make proper preparations. But then notice he says this, that we need to run with patience. Now the word patience here is probably not exactly the same as what you and I would think in English what patience would be. It, it's close. I know that for me, God put me in South Florida in Pembroke Pines and he put those stoplights here to teach me patience. I struggle with those lights. God gave me four daughters to teach me patience. Say, Pastor, have you learned patience yet? No. I'm a work in progress. We all struggle, don't we? Now, when he says here, run with patience. Again, remember what I said earlier? The Christian life is not a hundred-yard dash. You see these people that, now if you're running a hundred-yard dash, you run it as hard and as fast as you can. I mean, every step you take, it's all you can do. But at the end of that hundred-yard dash, I mean, 
I've seen runners just collapse because they just put everything they can in 100 yards. But I see these people that run these marathons, and they make me sick. 26 miles? That's just, that's just wrong. How do you run 26 miles without stopping? You have to set a pace. You have to be consistent. Some of you going into this new year, I'm going to read the whole Bible in January. Why don't you just say, I'm going to read a chapter a day? At the end of the year, you might have read the whole Bible. See, a lot of times we, we, we overextend ourselves. We try to do too much. And what God is saying is, look, I want you to run with patience. I want you, look, every day of your life, get up and spend time with me. Every day, walk with me. Every day, just have a consistency. Run with patience. It's part of the preparation. It's a mental thing, and it's a spiritual thing. And, and the picture here is, is a runner that is settling in for the long haul. He realizes, hey, the race is not won in the first 100 yards. It's a marathon. i got to make it to the end. It speaks of a person, listen to this, that has the right spirit in them, that stands up, and faces the trials of life, he goes forward, actually giving the idea here that he's running at trouble. Look what it says here. You know, Romans 8, 28, great verse here. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, when the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter number 12, the race that is set before us. Think about that. When did your race begin? Do you know? When you got saved. When you trusted Christ as your Savior. God says, okay, now that you are my child, you've entered the race. God says, the race is set before you. I'm not here to run RJ's race. God has set a race before me. God has set a race before you. And when I see this statement here where he says that you and I need to understand that we need to run this race that is set before us, he's challenging us to remember a couple of things. Look at this, that we, every one of us, have our own race to run. No one can run your race for you, and you can't run their race for them. I, I see one of our uh, wonderful young ladies here, uh, Lauren. It's good to have her home from college, and we've, we've had some wonderful young people here at our church, and I love to see young people living for the Lord, serving God, and, and Lauren's been an encouragement to me more than she probably knows, and it's, and it's a joy to have her home during the Christmas break, and and I know that her mom and dad are anxious, like any parents would be, for their child. That she would live for God, that she would run the race. But you know, I've even talked to Jeff and Muriel in, in the last couple of days, months, years. And the one thing that they're realizing as parents is they can set the course. But now Lauren is running her own race. As much as... Muriel and Jeff would like to run Lauren's race for her. They can't. Truth is, Jeff can't run. <laughs> but Lauren, even as their child, she can't run her mom and dad's race for them either. You see, we all, that's what he's saying, the race that is set before you. It's your race. No one can run it for you, and you can't run the race for them. That's one of the things we see. And watch this. We're not in a competition. This is not a competition. We're all on the same team. I'm not running my race against Brother Flynn. I'm running my race for the Lord. 
and as we think about this, our job isn't to outrun each other. Watch this. Our job, as we take these steps, is to run for Jesus. That's our job. We're to run the race that he's planned for us. But we've got to make proper preparations. We've got to run with patience. And then notice, we must guard our priorities. Say, what's my priority? Well, again, going into a new year, let's be reminded of what our priority is. Look what the Bible says here in verse number two. Looking unto Jesus. That's your priority. Going into this new year, say, Pastor, what should I do? Well, we're to use Jesus as the focal point. When I was a kid and I played baseball, RJ, my dad always said, keep your eye on the ball. There was one time I got hit in the eye with a baseball. Dad's like, why didn't you get out of the way? I said, I was keeping my eye on it. (laughs) You know what you need to do this year? Keep your eye on Jesus. Don't get distracted. Don't let something cause you to look away. Look, I, I don't want to read into it. You know, you, a lot of us have seen racing events and track, and they got lanes on tracks, right? We've seen that. I, I don't know if it's, if it's stretching the Word of God to say, you know, I'm in my lane and he's in, you know, I don't know. I just know I'm not running against someone else. But why do you think when horses race that they put those things on the sides of their eyes? Because they don't want the horses to be distracted by the horses that are on the sides of there. That horse literally feels like he's running the race by himself. And that's what we see here this morning is, is that we've got to stay focused on Jesus. Now, why? Why should we look to Jesus? Well, because he ran his race already and he ran it well. See, Jesus still stands as the greatest example that we have to run our race. He ran well. He stands now as the supreme champion of how to live our lives as Christians. And we've got we've to understand that we shouldn't be looking at other runners. And we shouldn't be looking at circumstances that come into our lives while we're running. Because all those things, the runners and circumstances, they will become distractions for us. Many times bringing about defeat. What we've got to do, here it is again, looking unto Jesus. He's the author. Our Christian life began with him, and our Christian life is going to end with him. He's the author and finisher. I like it as somebody put it. He says, our eyes need to be on the one who started us on this race and the one who will greet us at the end. The finisher of our faith. Our primary duty while we are running is to do what? Look to him. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Anything less, if we take our eyes off of him, will spell disaster for the Christian runner. So if we're going to take these steps, we've got to, as it says in Hebrews chapter 12, take the first step, and that is to consider the saints. They've run their race. They didn't quit. God was faithful to them. We need to take the next step. We need to consider ourselves. Are we going to make the right preparations? Are we going to run with patience? And then look at this, we got to guard our priorities, keep our, keep our focus on the Lord, looking unto Jesus. But then look at the third step, and don't miss this one. Look what the Bible says back in chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, verse 2, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Here's the third step. Consider the Savior. Think about Jesus. Consider his race. We just went through Christmas. Hey, you look at the humble beginning that Jesus had. He began his life in poverty. And his life went from poverty and ended up in pain on the cross. You think about his race. It was filled with hatred and bitterness and opposition and really a desire to see his life come to an end. His race, I think, is a perfect example 
of how we are to run our race. Jesus never faltered. He never lost sight of the goal. He said, I must finish the work of him that sent me. By the way, he did. Jesus lived his life and he never quit running until the goal had been achieved. And when you and I, when we feel like quitting in the Christian life, let us look unto Jesus who finished his race, who ran his race not for himself. He ran his race for you and for me. Brother Peter just sang it. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and for me. You see, if we're going to consider the Savior, we've got to consider his race. We also have to consider his reasons. Think about this. Jesus died. His life was, was ended. And the Bible says it this way here in Hebrews chapter number 12, for the joy that was set before him. Now, anytime I think of the word joy, I think of good things, happy things. The joy was the cross. That's what the Bible says. What was the reasons that Jesus had this joy that he did? Well, maybe Jesus was thinking about what he said when he was on the cross where he said this, it is finished. God's plan of salvation. Eternal redemption. You see, mankind, you and I, we can't save ourselves. There needed to be one that would come, who would be the king of kings, who could atone for our sin, that his blood can wash away our sin. See, Jesus, his reason... He thought about us. He died for us. Hey, I think another reason that we can consider is because Jesus knew that when his life ended on this earth and after he rose from the dead that he would ascend back, he was going to go home. He was going to go back to be with the Father, where he came from. I think about his reasons, how Jesus was able to look past the cross and the despising, the shame that he went through, the agonizing. We are what motivated the heart of the Savior to go to the cross and to die for our sins. You see, if we're going to take that third step, we've got to consider the, the Savior. We've got to consider his race and his reasons, but... We need to consider his reward. Jesus ran well, and when he finished, what did he receive? He received his reward. Hebrews 10, 12, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Remember the apostles, how they were having that discussion about Who's going to sit on the right hand and who's going to sit on the left? Jesus said, that's not mine to give. You know what he was really saying? Uh, you'd be taking my seat. I love that verse there. He offered one sacrifice. Think about all those sacrificial animals in the Old Testament. Not one of them could wash away our sins. Only the Lamb of God. And the Bible says, look at this, and some of you have struggled in your life, he offered one sacrifice for sins forever. Nothing has to be added to what Jesus did. You see, it was finished. You know what religion is doing today? They are saying to people, yes, Jesus died, but you have to do this. You have to add this. You have to give this. That's not the Bible. Word of God says Jesus made one sacrifice 
her sins forever. And his reward, the Bible says that he headed home. Jesus, listen, as he went through all that he went through, and he went through though an entire evening of trials, six total trials where he had not done one thing wrong, and yet he was accused, falsely accused, he was beaten, he was stripped, he was spat upon, he was buffeted, and all of that he went through. Why would he do it? Because he knew where he was heading. And that made a, it easier for Jesus to run that race because when we know, just like Jesus did, when we're like the Apostle Paul and we have a little bit of a heavenly vision, then guess what that will do? That will make our race more bearable because we'll think to ourselves, just like Jesus did, hey, when this race is over, I'll be home. And that's exactly what made Jesus think about the race and think about his reward. But notice, we also need to consider his resolve because the Bible says in verse 3, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Jesus suffered much to finish his race. He was born in poverty. Even as a baby, we, we, we read about Herod. Jesus' life was threatened as a baby. He was raised in a, in a town that was despicable. Nazareth was a, was a rough place to raise a child. And Jesus, the Bible says, he had no place to call home. He was, he was hated by many. He was opposed by others. He was charged falsely. He was betrayed by a friend. He was forsaken by his own friends. He was left alone. He was put on for trial for crimes he never committed. He was brutally ex, uh, executed as a commonal, common criminal. All the things that Jesus suffered. Next time you think about maybe what you're going through, think about what Jesus went through for us. The Bible says in Romans 8, if children then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, and look what part of it is, is that if we be, if we so be that we suffer with him, notice suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Jesus endured such contradiction, such shame. He endured till the end. Why did Jesus go all the way to the cross? So that we might be saved. That we might have a home in heaven someday. He stands as an example that we need to follow that example to run with patience, to, to, to run our race until the Lord would call us home. Run the race that is set before us. Jesus has already run his race. And as we look at his life, that is why Jesus is helping us today. Notice Hebrews 4.14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Jesus, like that great cloud of witnesses, is an, an example for us to follow, to, to see how he ran his race. And the question that I want you to think about this morning is, how is your race progressing? How are you doing? I can tell by looking at some of you, some of you have the wrong shoes. Some of you are out of breath. Some of you are not eating the right things. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. See, you've got to have the proper preparation. Are you running with patience? Oh, pastor, I read 1,600 chapters in my Bible yesterday. How many are you going to read tomorrow? Run with patience. 
You see, I think about this and I get so encouraged because the whole concept is this, looking unto Jesus. How are you going to make it through this new year? Take the right steps. And if you notice, the top step is where we've got to get to. See, if I'm going to come up on this platform, I'm running my race, but look here. God wants us to go to higher ground. As I think about my life, and I can look at all the distractions. What's he doing? What's she doing? What are they giving? Hey, so-and-so wasn't at church today. No, 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 no. I need to consider the saints. That's the first step. Boy, they sure encourage me every time I look at them. Every time I see how they ran their race, how they finished, they didn't quit, and how faithful God was to them. That's an encouragement to me. Then I take that next step because I'm encouraged. I start to think about myself. About the weights in my life. Am I making the right preparations? Am I running with a steady pace? The sin that does so easily beset me. You know what sin will do? Sin will pull you back down. I need to take those things and get rid of them. I need to consider myself. That's the next step. But don't stop there. I need to take that other step. I need to consider the Savior. Looking under Jesus. I don't want to just begin 2020. I want to end 2020. I want to make it to the finish line of my race. I don't know how many more days God's going to give me. But how many of you want to make it to the end of the race? Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Message was not profound today. Very simple message from the Word of God about taking the right steps. I don't want to just run the race. I want to finish the race. I'm encouraged when I look into Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12 and I think about those witnesses. They were witnesses of the faithfulness of God. I think about my life, so many things that I need to work on. And some of you, if you're honest with God this morning, there's things in your life you need to work on too. There's things that are pulling you down, weighing you down. And what you need to do today is you need to come to God and cast those things aside. You need to leave them at the altar this morning. Say, Lord, I'm tired of running my race with these weights. They're hindering me. And then you need to get your eyes off yourself and off of others. Get your eyes off of circumstances. God loves you. He's not trying to hurt you. You need to look to Jesus. And when you got your eyes on Jesus, it makes everything else so much sweeter. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, why don't you come to him today by faith, trust him. He said that he'd give you a home in heaven, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you're a Christian today, and I believe many of us in this auditorium are saved, how well do you want to run your race? This morning, last couple days of 2019, why don't we come this morning and get rid of some weights and sin? that does so easily beset us. Would you stand with me this morning? The piano's playing, the altar's open this morning. Did you come this morning to do business with God? Why don't you come now? Whatever it is in your life, let's run. Remember what I said about those weights, how I took them off and I was able to do things because I didn't have those anymore. And I'm gonna tell you, whatever it is, it's pulling you down. It's hindering you. There might be somebody this morning that you know, family member, friend, that's struggling because of some sin, some weight. Why don't you come this morning, if, you don't, if not to pray for yourself, pray for someone else. Someone that's been struggling in their life. Maybe somebody that's not even saved. Come pray that they would trust Christ this year. Ask God to use you this year. 
to bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Whatever it is this morning, this is church. God says where two or three are gathered together in my name, I promised to be in their midst. I believe the Lord's here today. I want to run. I want to run for the Lord. I'm tired of looking at other people. I, you know, being a pastor, a lot of times preachers, we're, we're awful about watching and see what other preachers, other churches are doing. Hey, God didn't send me to other churches. God sent me to Bible Baptist Church. This is the race God's given me. I want to keep my eyes where God wants them to be. I want to look to Jesus. Lord, what do you want for Bible Baptist for this year? What do you want for my life, my family? That ought to be your prayer. Can never go wrong looking to Jesus. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Keep the way clear. Let nothing between. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's let's pray a prayer together as we think about this year coming be the greatest year for us to run our race. Lord, what a challenge this morning. So encouraged by those that have found their rest there in your presence, streets of gold around the throne of God. That's what we have to look forward to. You've told us that you're gone away to prepare a place for us. And Lord, we don't know how much longer you give us, but help us as we were encouraged this morning to consider ourselves. To think about making the right preparations for our lives and the sin, the weights that are in our lives. Help us to run unhindered. Help us to look to Jesus. May our focus be what it needs to be this year. And then help us, most of all, to consider your son who endured and went through so much for us so that we could run this race. Thank you again this morning for speaking to so many hearts, for using your word. And we know that your word will not return void that it will accomplish that which you intend for it. In Jesus' name we pray. God's people say.